Larry Burkett has a book called Whatever Happened to the American Dream. It was a bestseller because so many um, in this dream or in this generation, they look to the future. They want the American dream for them. And what is the American dream? What do we see as the American dream? Or what do we think of whenever we think of the American <coughs> dream? It's to what? Build yourself up out of nothing and be successful and have a family and own car and 3.5 children. <laughs> 3.5 children. <huh? laughs> but that is so true. And that's what people, you know, look to. And, and um, But things have changed over time. Um, you know, and there in your book it says our world is changing. The home cost in 1960. Um, where am I? The home cost in 1960, 1960 um, was approximately. I can't even find it. Does anybody see it? Because I don't. Oh, there it is. Um, around eleven thousand nine hundred dollars. Around eleven thousand nine hundred, and now the average cost of a home here today is about three hundred thousand dollars. Like your average down payment. Yeah, <laughs> not even You're a down lucky, payment. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so you know things have changed in, in that perspective, and so you know, but even in the last few years. Um, you know, the cost of homes has really increased. And so um, it's even harder now than it was, you know, just two or three years ago um, for families, for starter families, especially younger families that don't have a whole lot of income saved up or anything to go out and purchase a home. And so um, things are harder to do. Also back on your book there, in 1949, the, you know, the tax percentage um, was about 5% that you paid in taxes. And now the percentage of taxes that we pay is somewhere around 25 to 30% um, in taxes. And so we not only we have the less percentage of our income that we can use, you know, as spendable income because so much of it is taken up in taxes. And so we have a greater percentage. The difference, so there's a lot of differences that have happened over time that make things like homes um, less affordable, less easy for us to purchase. So let's think about this evening, um, how do we make it happen? How, how do we purchase things like homes and things like that? And how do people go to college because the cost of college we're going to see has gone up tremendously over the last several years as well. So before we begin looking at loans, let's go back to Psalm 37, 21 that we've looked at a few times. And it says, The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives. And so again, we have to be able to pay back because if we don't pay back, our loans, then ultimately it is a sin. And last week we looked at, you know, a couple of things, wisely making purchases, and then also we looked at the negatives, so some reasons not to borrow money. And those reasons, again, just for a review, is number one, you'll pay more for the item. So the reason that you don't take a loan, you don't borrow money, is because you're going to end up paying more for the item. And we looked at that last week, you know, looked at purchasing a car and the difference, you know, of you paying yourself versus you paying for the car and getting a loan for it. And we said that difference was about $13,000 in difference in you getting a loan versus you paying yourself the same amount of money for the same amount of years at the same interest rate. Number two is the borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is slave to the lender. And so, you know, you've just always got that debt hanging over your head um, and you've got to pay it back. Number three is it's a sin if you don't repay. It's a sin if you don't repay. So you've, you've got to repay your loans. Otherwise, um, it's a sin. And even worse than that, you know, the... 
somebody will probably come knocking on your door wanting some money or taking back what it is that you possess. Number four is you presume on the future. You presume on the future. You think that, you know, if things stay the way they are, I'll be able to afford this. But things don't always stay the same, and we've seen that, you know, over the past couple of years as well. Number five, if you borrow money, it denies God the opportunity to provide. If you borrow money, it denies God the opportunity to provide. So if you take the time, you wait, um, you never know what He may do. And then number six, it limits the future. It limits the future. You know, well, because I've got to make these payments every month, then I can't do X, Y, or Z that I would like to do today or in the future. And so those are some reasons not to borrow. And realize two things. Whenever you borrow, two things hold true. Number one is you must repay. And number two is you need to have a guaranteed way to repay. So we must have a way to repay, and then we need to have a guaranteed way to repay. And what we mean by a guaranteed way to repay is that you don't go buy a car with zero money down because then what happens if, you know, six months down the road you lose everything, you lose your job and everything else, you can't pay for your car, then you're upside down in your car, you can't sell your car and be able to pay it off or if you get in an accident like we said um, in our illustration last week you know you get in an accident and the insurance company says here's you know twenty thousand dollars for your car but you owe twenty five thousand dollars on it you're not in a good situation so we've got to make sure that whatever it is that we own is more money than what it is that we owe so we need to own it for more than we owe on it and we said the cars do what? They depreciate. They depreciate at a fast pace. So you need to make a healthy down payment if you are going to make a car loan. But again, it's not wise to make a car loan. So pay cash then and pay yourself and then pay cash for it because the savings is tremendous. Like we said, about $13,000 um, in the illustration that we used last time. So... Let's think about home loans and uh, getting loans for homes and what are some things that we should do, some things that we shouldn't do. Um, number one, I think that is important, and it's not number one in your book there, but um, I think one thing that's important that so many families don't do is you need to set your standard of living um, when you're younger. And, you know, because what do so many people do? Well, they set their standard of living for today, but then as their income increases, what also increases? The standard of living, standard of living does. So, you know, man, well, we just got to get into a house, you know, this little, this little house, you know, in this little neighborhood. Um, it's cute. It's nice. This is good. But, man, all of a sudden, you know, your salary increases. You've got another salary increase. Well, man, you know, now we got to go buy this house that's in this neighborhood because this little cute neighborhood is not so cute anymore. You know, i got to be up here where the Joneses are, and i, I got to live in this neighborhood. And then from there, we got to go to this neighborhood. And so as our income increases, our standard of living increases, but if we had set our standard of living, and it doesn't mean that we don't need a bigger house because we may have a two- or three-bedroom house, then we have three kids, and so we may need a bigger house, but it doesn't mean that we need a bigger house in a different neighborhood that is a gated community or something like that whenever we've been fine living where we are. And whenever we do that, then it gives us more freedom in the future like... Uh, Dave Ramsey always says, you know, you live like no one else now so that you can live and give like no one else in the future. And by setting that standard of living early, that's going to help us to do that. So let's look at a house. The cost is great, but there are some misconceptions. And number one is a house is a right. 
you know, it's a right. And we, we should have a house. We should own, own a home. But it's not a right. It's a privilege. Um, we often think that we haven't made it until we have a home. But the truth is, you know, it's a privilege. And sometimes we have to wait in order to get what it is that we want. Number two is buying is better than renting. Buying is better than renting. I just heard a thing from Dave Ramsey just a little bit ago, earlier today actually, and uh, he said, you know, look in the Bible, renting is not a sin. It's okay to rent a house to get yourself to the position that you need to be in order to purchase a house. And sometimes renting is, is a better option. Um, and there's some things that we'll look at, you know, and talk about here in just a few minutes. Um, what makes renting better than purchasing a house? Because you got to be in a house for a certain amount of time for it to be... Um, for it to be profitable for you to turn around and sell it. You don't want to be upside down. You don't want to buy a house for six months. I'm going to live here for six months and then I'm going to move to Florida. You know, well, that's not smart time to, to buy a house. And so there's some different reasons uh, why you wouldn't do so. Interest rates being up right now, you know, it may not be the best time to go and purchase a new house. So it may be better to rent for a while. Um, so you got to look at the situation and see, is it better for me to purchase or is it better for me to rent? And then number three is, it's a good investment. You know, the reason that I need to buy a house is because it's a, it's a good investment. And generally, over the course of time, houses go up. But there was uh, that time not too far back where, like in California, the, the housing market, you know, went down, it crashed. Um, and so it's not always um, it's not always that way, but generally over time it it does increase in value. But there are expenses that go along with that as well. I mean, you have upkeep of your house, new roof, paint, um, you know, and all of those things that you have to do as you're as you're moving along. And, you know, when we think about right now, the housing market is really spiked up. And so, you know, some people, man, I'm living in this house and I'm, I paid $300,000 for it. And now it's worth $400,000. So I'm going to go sell my house. But if you go sell your house, then what do you got to do? You got to buy another one. So if you're going to buy another one, then that house went up in value, too. It wasn't just your house that went up in value. And so you're not better off by selling your house and having that extra $100,000 because you're just going to have to pay it right back on the next house that you get. So, not always, but generally it is an investment um, and it is something that will appreciate over time as opposed to a vehicle which depreciates from the moment that you drive it off the lot. Unless you got an L6. <laughs> yeah, for That's sure. It's worth 100 times more than what it costs me. A lot of them, yeah. So let's think about four basic principles in buying a home. Four basic principles in buying a home. Number one is the time in the home. So how long are you gonna are you gonna be in the home? And that's something to think about because, like I said earlier, is it better to rent or is it better to buy? Well, the time that you're gonna be in the home. Um, helps you determine that. If you're going to only be there for a year, two years, then you know you're probably better off renting than you are purchasing a home. The, the rule of thumb is usually about three years to break even um, on a home. So because you got all your closing costs and how, what do you do on a home whenever you get that loan? It's 90% interest and 10% principal, if even that, on those first few years. And so um, you got to think about the time that you're going to be in the home. Number two is your interest rate. And it's better to get a fixed interest rate, if at all possible. 
and we'll talk about different kinds of loans and everything here in just a little bit, but you want to get a fixed interest rate. You want to get one that is that is uh, as low of interest rate as possible, and we'll talk about you know refinancing and some of those things here in a little bit as well. And then number three is you need to have a down payment of 20%. You need to have that down payment of at least 20%. Because if you don't, then there's what comes PMI. into play. PMI is number one, so you're going to have to be paying money for basically an insurance policy. And so you're paying money that you could be paying to your principal every month, but you're paying it to an insurance company in the off chance that you should die before you get to that point. But also, by not having 20% down, what happens if something happens? Now you can't sell your home and get back to at least square one where you were before you went in there. And so we need to have that down payment of 20% to give us that guaranteed way to repay. And then number four is um, the, the length of the note. And you know, a 15 to 20 year is preferred over a 30 year. The cost is approximately 20% more, but it saves you 35 to 40% when you borrow for a home. Same as with borrowing for anything else. I mean, the shorter the term that you can get, the two things, the less the interest is most of the time. So you pay a lower interest rate, but also you pay less interest over time dollar-wise um, by having a shorter mortgage. So when you borrow for a home, those are the four basic principles that we need to keep in mind. But when you borrow for anything, you're always obligated to repay and you need to have a guaranteed way to repay. So your house must be worth more than you owe for it. So let's see some details concerning borrowing for a home. And number one there is types of mortgages. And there's a bunch of different types of mortgages and everything. There's FHA, there's VA loans, there's regular homes uh, or home loans and most of the time I mean whenever you go get a loan from a bank you know a lot of people go where to your personal bank and you're like I want to get a loan for a home um, homes are not generally like cars or whatever they don't keep the loan there they usually have the loan they process it all through and then it gets sold and we bought the house that we're in um, and did the original mortgage on it and we had it sold I think four times and so month one I paid this person, month two I paid this person, month three I paid this person, month four and going on for several months we paid the same person but a lot of times those home loans get sold to, to different companies and things like that and so um, but you really have no control over that once you uh, once you get that loan, it, everything stays the same on your end, but who ends up with it, um, you don't really have a whole lot of control over. Number two are types of rates. And like we said earlier, I mean, a fixed rate is the, the key way to go. Um, that way you know for sure what you've got. If you get a, you know, a variable rate, um, yes, the rate could go down, but most of the time, which way does it go? It goes up, and then you're in in trouble. And so, um, a fixed rate is is the best way to go. Three and a half percent is what it was whenever I taught this class back in 2011. Um, in less than uh, two years ago, I mean, they were under three percent. Um, that you could get a home loan, and now they're right around 8%, are they not? Um, yeah. Yeah, so right around 8% now. And so you just think about the difference of a 3% home loan versus an 8% home loan on an average home price now of $300,000 for a home. 
I mean, that's a huge chunk of money, a huge difference in your payment per month, but also the ending cost of your home. And so, um, you know, if you would have got one of those variable rates whenever it was at 3%, and then now it's jumped up to 7%, man, you'd be in, in big trouble. So that's the best one. Your payment doesn't change. You know what it's going to be um, for the length of term that you have it. And then there's an arm, which is the adjustable rate. It goes up and down. It's tied to the interest rate. Um, and it's usually a lower interest rate than a fixed rate, but you have the opportunity that it could go way higher. And then the length of mortgage, number three, a standard 30 year is what most people assume you want to finance for, uh, but there are different links and terms that you can get. Um, 30 year, 20 year, 15 year, and the lower the the years, the, the more savings that you have. I think there's a sheet um, that's a few pages back, and uh, it gives an example, and I just left it at that 100,000 because, I mean, you could take it and multiply it by two if you had a $200,000 three or three hundred thousand dollar home but it gives you the example there um, if you borrow a hundred thousand dollars seven and a half percent interest for 30 years your payment's six hundred ninety nine dollars 21 cents you end up spending two hundred and fifty one thousand dollars for the house you borrow the same hundred thousand dollars seven and a half percent for 20 years your payments a hundred dollars more a month but you end up saving $60,000 in interest. And if you go down to a 15% at 7.5%, your payment's $927. So now you're paying, you know, $230 more. But look at the savings. You save almost $100,000 um, on the cost of the home and in interest over the time. And the truth is, though, usually the lower the years, the lower the interest rate as well. I've got all of these. So these are the rates from today that I've sent to me. The 30-year conventional fixed is at 7.875. 20-year conventional fixed is uh, 6.75. 10-year conventional fixed is 5.75. A five by five uh, arm is going to be 5.8, and then the 30 year FHA is at 7.25. So, I mean, right there, you can see the difference if you go down in years. Well, 10 the, years of percentages. Yeah, a whole percentage difference in, in your rate. So, not only does it save, because I mean, this is assuming that you got the same rate. Um, and you have that difference, you know, getting the lower rate interest that's rate in on top. Too. Like that's not my credit or somebody else. That's just yeah. I get yeah from being in the industry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Saying. Exactly. So that's not. It's depend <laughs> on people's credit and, and all of that stuff. Yeah. Does. That's just like the quoted rates. Yeah, but that's gives you a great idea for for our illustration. You know, yeah. you take that seven and a half percent and you drop down to that 20 year and all of a sudden it's six and a half percent then it's not going to be 193,000 anymore I mean it's going to be quite a bit less and your payment's not going to be a hundred dollars more it's going to be less than than a hundred dollars more and you pay your house off for in 10 years sooner too which is also another great thing to have uh, as well so that length of that mortgage um, you know tied to the interest rate and everything you're going to it's a win-win situation um, but most people they're like well you know what if something happens and everything so I'm gonna get a 30 year and I'll just pay more on it you know every month but then what happens is well you know I, I think I want to go ahead and get a car I think I want to go ahead and get you know this computer I think I want to go ahead and get this and so that extra money that you were going to put on 
on there every month. I mean, you have to be disciplined if you're going if you're going to do that. But again, like he said, I mean, you're paying another percentage rate more for doing that as well. And so um, we want to get the lower the years, the lower interest rate, the less we're going to pay for our home. Number four, pay off early. So also down there on your sheet, you can see uh, where we were just a while ago. Early payoff, one extra payment per year on a 30-year note saves about a third. Um, and then $25 extra per month on a 30-year note saves you about seven years. Um, you pay your house off about seven years early. And so, you know, it's key to, to make those extra payments, to be disciplined to do those things, um, you know, and everything as well. And so there, it's just, it's key. And I think it's also in your book um, there as well that write in on A and B there. So pay it off early, number five. is refinance refinance as interest rates go up and down you may have a loan um, and the rates go down you know should you refinance is it going to save you money and kind of the rule of thumb is usually about two percent if you get two percent less interest rate um, it's usually a, a good opportunity to refinance and it usually takes you about two years to regain um, because you have closing costs and everything that you have to turn around and repay. And uh, we did that on our home. We purchased it and then those rates went way down and everything. And so we were able to get a rate uh, right, right at 3%, just over 3% um, on our house. And so whenever they dropped down to that, we refinanced our home and um, because we planned on staying there for a while and everything and so um, it was just and the payment dropped tremendously and everything too whenever you get uh, ours was a little over two percent difference in in the interest rate so um, that's always nice but what I did whenever I did that is I ended up keeping my payment the same, I mean, my payment lowered, but I kept paying the same amount that it was up at the higher, because again, that's just like we talked about, um, paying it off early, you can do that by paying more on your, on your loan every month, so just because my rate, or because the rate changed and my payment lowered, I just said I'm going to keep paying what I was paying before. And then number six is home equity. As your home increases in value um, and you pay down on your note, you have equity in your home. And so, you know, there's a lot of places that, man, you know, we've got this great rate on a home equity line of credit so that you can make these improvements to your home or, you know, you can go buy X, Y, or Z. But the, but the problem is, then what, what happens if you get in trouble? What are you loaning against? Your house. And so it's not always the greatest idea to, to take out a home equity loan. Um, there was a time, I don't think you can do it anymore, but where you could get a home equity loan for up to 125% of the value of your house. You can't do that anymore after that big crash. Yeah the big crash so I don't think you can do that anymore but yeah um, but at that point in time then you're you're really putting yourself at risk and you're putting your home at risk your family at risk and everything so um, home equity loans are not always the greatest thing thing to do and then number seven is credit life and that's that PMI if you don't have that 80% uh, or that 20% down payment, and then they charge you this. My first 
home loan. Uh, I didn't even know about all this stuff, and I just went in there. Here's here's my down payment, and you know, can I afford this house? Yeah, you know, we'll give you a loan, and then there's this little PMI, sixty three dollars a month, and you know, it didn't take me long to figure out what was going on here, and then I paid it down so that I could get rid of that and uh, be putting that money towards the principal instead of paying $63 a month for insurance that, you know, wasn't pertinent. That's no longer a thing on, like, FHA loans, and so it doesn't matter once you... So in the past, previously, when you reached that 20% mark, Mm -hmm. The PMI went away. Yeah. On those products that are federally backed, the PMI continues through the life of the loan if you don't pay the 20% down up front. Wow. Uh, yeah. 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 That is crazy. Conventional and in house is. They still. Yeah. Like, so it, it really depends. It's, it's going to depend on your lender. But that's that was one of the things when I heard that come out of they, were, they said it so nonchalantly too <laughs> like it wasn't huge like oh great this is going to be a thing because that I'll, they won't they don't say that nobody tells you hey this is the you're paying money that is essentially extortion they're extorting you saying hey pay me money so I'll tell these guys you can pay me money or I can pay <laughs> them money that's exactly what it is. It's not like they're going to fund the rest of the house with your, you know, that tiny portion of it. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's it's something that now on certain products will stay on for the life of the loan. Yeah, that's, so, that's a that big point, deal. It yeah, because yeah, the idea is that for them to say, well, now you've got enough equity that you're not going to be upside down in the loan. We feel comfortable releasing that insurance because if need be, we take the loan back, we sell the home. We have yeah. enough equity to say, hey, we're comfortable. But now they're, I guess it's a government thing where they're keeping it on. Right, they have to go to 18 to $20,000 for the price of your home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it isn't even, it's not even, I guess, you just tack it onto the interest and all the other stuff here you're paying for. It's Man. how we went from 5% interest to 25% uh, interest, that kind of thinking. <laughs> Put it in there somewhere. We'll figure yeah. It out. yeah. So we don't want to have to do that. So uh, especially even whenever it goes away, because you're just wasting money over that period of time. But if it doesn't go away, then you definitely don't want to get stuck in that. So again, that's where it's smarter to rent until you have the funds build up to be able to purchase a home. Um, for yourself. So next thing there is it says tips and number one is um, there's often hidden costs like PMI that lasts forever I guess um, but A there is closing costs you know there's closing costs that come with every home loan and a lot of times I mean they're six seven thousand dollars in in closing costs and I mean that's a lot of money added on top of everything that's that's owed and there all of a sudden you know you think about well I think my payment's going to be this you, you had six thousand dollars over the the life of that thing then it goes up um, B is taxes, insurance, increased utilities. You've got repairs now that you own your own home versus renting. Um, all of those things you've got to take into consideration. Another thing to think about, I mean, if you've been in an apartment and now you've got a home, well, what are you going to have now? you got to have a washer, you got to have a dryer, you got to have a refrigerator. Um, so all of those things that all adds up you know uh, you get yourself in a bind that yeah I can afford this house it is a thousand dollars a month I've got you know a thousand dollars a month I can, I can do that um, but oh well how am I gonna go buy a washer dryer refrigerator oh and uh, by the way I had you know 
I've got three other bedrooms that don't have anything in it. So now I've got to go buy a bed so, you know, we can utilize these rooms that I'm paying money for. And, uh, you know, oh, and I, now I've got a dining room, so I've got to go buy a dining room set, and i got to have a table and all of this stuff. And so, you know, you just don't think about all of those those things whenever you're purchasing a home that you're going to fill that thing up and, and uh, all of those extra costs that come into place and so um, you've got to take those into consideration whenever you're making a purchase on a home especially first-time buyers and things like that but the key is to save the money for the down payment borrow for as short a time as you can pay off early um, all of those things are keys and, and are important whenever we're thinking about purchasing a house and then Next there, it's got a review. We talked about cars again last week, and we said, you know, number one, never borrow money for a car because it's unwise. Why is it unwise? Because they depreciate faster than you can pay them off. And so we also said, you know, borrowing for a car, you save on the front end, you pay yourself, you pay cash for it, the the amount of money that you have, Um, is so much greater than you getting a loan for it and so you want to try to pay yourself and um, that way you're paying the interest you're getting the interest rather than paying it to somebody else and the amount of interest that you get is more than you would be paying to them and then for a house there's four key things there Um, if you're not going to live in it for three years don't buy you're not going to live there for three years, don't buy a house, rent. Find a place that you can rent. Number two, you need to be able to pay the 20% down payment. You need to be able to pay that 20% down payment so you don't have that PMI. Number three is get a short as loan, short of a loan as possible. Get as short of a loan as possible. And the shorter the loan, the less interest, the faster you're going to pay it off. And number four is pay extra. Somebody gives you that $100 gift, you know, you can go take $50 and give it away to somebody, and the other 50 go put to that home loan rather than uh, going and buying something else for yourself because you'll do yourself a whole lot more good in the long run by doing that. So now finally we got one more area we're going to cover tonight and that is student loans. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail but um, we're going to talk about it because you know going to college and everything it's extremely expensive um, and it just seems to be getting more and more and more expensive Um, all the time and there's issues with you know with that because the colleges have no nothing in the game so I mean what do they do they just keep keep raising and raising and raising tuition because you know if loans fail it doesn't fail fail them they getting paid either way and so um, it's a sad situation does anybody know what it costs, what the average cost is now for a four-year school education? Eighty-five grand. Yeah, pretty darn close. Sixty to eighty per eighty thousand is what what I what I looked up, and the average is sixty to eighty. Yeah, in state, yeah. out of state, it's crazy high. Out of luck. <laughs> <laughs> you better move there and save up during that time. Is that a year? Become a resident. A year? No, oh, over the God. course for... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I keep wondering when it's not going to be a good return on investment. Sorry. I mean, I think, I think it's getting there right now, and that's what, you know, that's what we've been talking about. I mean personally but also like you know the staff here and stuff you know um, going to fix all that you're going to make government pay for it now is that um, you know is it really worth the money you know to go to college and I think more and more people are going to quit going to college because you know, I mean how can you go to college how can you afford to go to college I guess that's um, what they need to do is collapse 
Yeah. Well, and they're coming out with so many alternatives to it, like the online yeah. colleges, they're gaining accreditation, and it's there's a whole different understanding of, of what is possible for going through, and uh, even a lot of the companies prefer to have people that have less of the full, like, you know, college education and then they'll train them on whatever it is they're wanting to do because they spend so much time hiring these people that are educated to this level and then end up having to train back a lot of the, the like that theory kind of aspect of what they learn just so they can train them in the specific tasks and, and role that they're in. And so they're like, uh, a lot of the Silicon Valley jobs were like that, where they were getting all of these computer engineers that came out of these, uh, you know, higher degrees of learning. You know, you get your masters in, in computer engineering, and people are going to have to pay you a lot of money to do what they do. Well, now you've got Google that says, "Oh, here, take this uh, three-month course, and I'll pay you 60 grand, so I don't have to pay the one guy." I'll get two of you guys will pay 60 grand instead of paying one guy 120. And so they just started undercutting people like that. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, when people are coming out of school and they've got all of this debt and all of these loans um, that, you know, there was a guy on Dave Ramsey the other day that he came out and he got his four-year degree started in one thing then changed to criminal justice um and then went ahead and got his master's because you know he thought well you get your master's you're going to make more money he's a police officer before taxes he makes seventy thousand dollars he has a hundred and fifty two thousand dollars in school loans um and he's making seventy thousand dollars a year he just bought a house that was $185,000. And so he has that debt on top of it. And so, you know, I mean, people are not making wise decisions and, and everything. And so is school the best, uh, best option? I don't know. And uh, especially with colleges, I mean, they're more and more liberal all the time as well. And so... You know, that's another aspect. Do you want to send your your kids into these schools and get an education where... You know, when I got, and you have to be the one to pay for it. Yeah. When I got my student loan from college, the job I was going to college for was paying 11 bucks an hour. This was back in the 80s. 11 bucks an hour was pretty good. When I graduated up two years later, that same job now went to five dollars an hour because there was a hundred thousand other kids that graduated out for the same thing, and now the market's flooded with educated people trying to get the same job. Yeah. And there was no way to. Yeah. So let's think about um, some advantages and disadvantages dealing with student loans. Um, you know, and before we get there. I, one other thing I want to say, too, is like, you know, so many kids, they get student loans and they do the wrong thing with the loans. They don't even use it for their education. Um, they're using it to go buy things. I mean, I remember working at Sears, you know, whenever those college students came in, you know, a few weeks after school started, you know, the, oh, the loans came in. So let's go wait on these people over here because they're getting ready to buy a big screen TV um, with those school loans. And so that's another crazy thing that you come out of school, you you borrowed all this money and, you know, it's not even for your education. You're wasting it on. And we all know what happens all that. All you got to do is drive around here at the last day of school. Yeah. You can pick all kinds <laughs> of good stuff up out of garbage. Yep. They can't keep. They can't take it with them when they when they go back home. Their cars ain't big enough. You know, like big screen TVs. It's throw them away. Oh, so let's think about some advantages of student loans as opposed to other loans. Number one is borrow now and pay later, and so that's one of the advantages. You know, many times whenever you get student loans, they're deferred payments, so you don't have to start paying on them today. 
Um, number two is interest is usually lower. Um, you know, for student loans, so usually it's not as high of an interest. So let's get a student loan and go buy a new TV. Number three, um, you can go to school now. And, um, you know, that's why many people do it. Well, I just want to go to school now, I want to get my education, then I'll be making a lot of money and it'll be easy to pay back off. But the disadvantages are, number one, you're going to pay more for school. Just like with any loan that you get, there's going to be interest, so you're going to end up paying more for it in that amount of time that it's deferred and everything. It sounds good, but... That's just more interest that you're paying. Number two, you're in debt when you get out. So you start off your life, you know, you're out of college, and then what do you got? You got this big old pile of debt. And then number three is it limits your options. Limit your options. You can't do things just like with anything else. You're slave to the lender. You don't have all the options. Um, you know, and also if you want to go on to higher education and things like, you know, seminary, most of the time if you have <coughs> student loans, they don't want you to come and get more student loans. And so uh, <coughs> many seminaries won't even let you in. So you got to gotta be careful. You got to, you know, a lot of times people, what do they do? They look for a job that pays a certain amount of money because I've got all this debt to pay off so I don't get the job that I desire the job that I want I've got to get the job that pays the money and so you end up doing things that you don't necessarily want to do so be careful before you borrow money to go to school and make sure that you have a way to pay it back but ultimately you don't know if you'll be able to pay it back because you don't know if the job's going to be there whenever you Whenever you get out, maybe there's not going to be 8,700 people. Yeah, exactly. Same job. Same job. Try to try to break down. So all these kids going to school for coding and writing, like writing computer languages, and now the computers can write it. So you can anybody can just say, "Hey, computer, do write the code that makes this happen." It's like, here you go. And yeah. now this person's degree is worthless. Exactly. Not that it's worthless, but no, it's worthless. Worthless, worth less, for less. sure. Less. Yeah. <laughs> it's worthless. All right. So let's think about um, how to pay for college. What are some ways that you can pay for college? Number one is get grants or scholarships. You know, there's a lot of. Um, there's a guy actually goes to church here, but. Um, that deals with some of these issues and everything and you know there's so much scholarship money that goes unused because people are too lazy to take the time to fill out the forms to get the scholarships and so you know if there's options and available I mean go talk to somebody um, in that financial department and everything and see for your degree for I mean, all kinds of different things. There's all kinds of scholarships based on... You can be left-handed, I'm sure there's... Yeah. <laughs> there are. Like there. <laughs> so, look for those. Number two is work. Earn the money. Work part-time to earn for your next semester. Um, and work your way through through college. JB, whenever he went to seminary, that's what he did. He worked his way way through. Number three is work full time to earn money. Um, it'll take you longer to get your degree and everything, but you're not going to come out owing a whole bunch of money at the end. And number four is save. So begin saving early um, you know for especially if you have children or whatever grandchildren you can be putting money back um, because if you save over the period of time I mean you can pay for it just putting back 
you know, $100 a month. Um, every once in a while, whenever they have birthdays and, and Christmas and stuff, have people giving towards um, their college instead of buying a bunch of worthless gifts. And by the time you get to get to their college, I mean, you'll have money to be able to, to pay for it. And so be saving over the, the life of your children. So work your way through college, not borrow your way through college. Um, the bottom line is only at a last resort should you be taking student loans in order to, um, to pay your way through college. Work your way. Pay as you go. Those are the best ways to do it so that you don't put yourself in a bind whenever you come out. So what have we seen tonight? We've talked about borrowing, borrowing for a house. Number one, um, there is borrowing for a house. We said be wise with all that we have, all that God has given to us. So in order to be wise, we need to look for a low fixed rate uh, mortgage with the shortest number of years that we can get, pay extra on it, um, and then get that down payment where it's below that 20% mark. And... Um, then you'll be able to to purchase and not have to to worry about that PMI and paying it for a few years or for the life of the loan. Number two is student loans and the best way is not to borrow. Take less time, take less hours so that you can work and pay as you go. Be wise in how you get your cars, your houses, and go to school. And best, if at all possible, not to borrow for any of it. Although I don't know many people that would be able to purchase a house without some kind of a loan. And so um, all of your people that uh, deal with budgeting and finances, Dave Ramsey and all of those guys uh, say a home loan is something that most people are going to have. So uh, whenever you get one, just do it wisely. Make sure you don't get yourself in trouble.